Hello everyone, I'm Peter Lupson, author of the book Thank God for Football, about the church origins of 12 famous English football clubs who have played in the FA Premier League. The series is based on my book Thank God for Football, which is available from Amazon or directly from the publisher SPCK. Today's club is Fulham. Fulham Football Club was founded at St Andrew's Church, Fulham, in 1879. It was a magnet for sports-minded clergymen, and no fewer than eight had some involvement with the club in its first 20 years. In the first club history, written by one of its early players, two were singled out for special mention. They were Reverend John Henry Cardwell and Reverend Peregrine Propert. Reverend Cardwell was the club's founder. He was born in Sheffield in 1842 and educated at Burnley Grammar School and Cambridge University. On graduation, he decided to enter the Anglican ministry and took up his first appointment in 1865 at St James's Church in Clerkenwell, London. Six years later, in 1871, he was appointed curate of St Andrew's Church in the district of Fulham Fields, London. When he took up his appointment, St Andrew's was a mission church within the large parish of All Saints Fulham, serving a rural area covered in market gardens. Soon after Cardwell's arrival, however, rows of terraced housing sprang up to accommodate the huge influx of labourers who came to find employment on the railway and other industries in West London. So rapid was the increase in population that in 1874 St Andrews was created a separate parish with Cardwell as its first vicar. It was difficult for Cardwell to keep up with the many social problems in the parish. By 1883, two-thirds of his parishioners were classified as belonging to the labouring poor and they frequently lived in conditions of overcrowding and squalor. Many of them turned to alcohol for relief from the misery of their existence, and this in turn led to drunkenness and crime. Cardwell cited drink as one of the major problems in the parish, and he worked tirelessly to counter it. He also took a deep interest in work with young people, and numerous organisations were set up at the church for them. Additionally, he provided free hot dinners for the poorest children of the neighbourhood. Despite all this, Cardwell felt more should be done for the young of the church. He had often seen members of his Sunday school playing cricket and football, and he approached Tom Norman, one of the Sunday school boys, sometime in 1879, with the idea of forming a cricket and football club at the church. The 15-year-old responded enthusiastically, and before the year was out, he'd recruited enough players to form the St Andrews Cricket and Football Club. Reverend Cardwell and one of the church wardens, Dr Patrick Murdoch, became its patrons and gave great encouragement and support. No doubt, too, the boys received encouragement from two curates of St Andrews, both cricket enthusiasts, Reverend Hyde Walker and Reverend Roland Cardwell, the vicar's younger brother. As the new club's title suggests, cricket initially took precedence over football. At that time, football in England was often just a means of keeping fit during the winter for the coming cricket season. In the early years, from 1879 to 1883, the St Andrews footballers played for fun in a rough and tumble way among themselves. They turned out in whatever rough clothes they could find, and as changing rooms were non-existent, they simply changed at home. Their only pitch was an area of rough land known locally as the Mud Pond, next to the Sunday School. 
By the start of the 1883 season, however, they'd begun to take football more seriously and had found a new pitch and proper changing facilities. The local press now took note and their cricket and football results began to appear in the newspapers. The St Andrews Club had always enjoyed the patronage and full support Reverend Cardwell and Dr Murdoch had given, but in May 1885 an addition was made to the clergy staff that was to give added status to sport at the church. That month, one of the top oarsmen of his generation, the Reverend Peregrine Propert, came to assist at St Augustine's in Lily Road, a mission church attached to St Andrews. But it was not just as an oarsman that Propert had gained a reputation. He was born in 1861 near to the sea in St David's, South Wales, and was an exceptionally strong swimmer. At 17, he became the first person to swim across Ramsey Sound, the treacherous mile-wide strait with many dangerous cross-currents and rapids off the Pembrokeshire coast. It was a feat not to be repeated for another 56 years, despite numerous attempts to do so. Never one to shirk danger, Propert was also a fearless cliff climber and a member of the St David's lifeboat crew. He entered Trinity Hall, a college of the University of Cambridge, in 1881 and very quickly established a reputation as an oarsman. He became captain of the college boat club and his team of eight became the best in the university. In addition to his rowing talents, Propert represented Trinity Hall at football. He was also a fine cricketer. It's hardly surprising that this exceptional sportsman should quickly associate himself with the St Andrews Cricket and Football Club. Now aged 23, he was no more than two or three years older than most of the St Andrews players, and he actually played in their cricket team on a number of occasions. Such was the impact he was to make at the club over many years that he was wrongly described in the club's earliest history as its co-founder. Propert had entered Cambridge with fairly clear career plans in mind, but while there, his thinking was turned upside down. He explains what happened. My earliest intention was take up law and politics, but fortunately, at Cambridge, I met a group of men who, although the leading athletes at the university, were also men of deep religious convictions. My association with them changed my outlook upon life. I felt there was something better to aim at than worldly success, and that was the service of God and my fellow men. The group who made such an impact on Propert have become known in history as the Cambridge Seven. These devout Christian men, all from very privileged backgrounds, caused a sensation throughout Britain when they announced that they were giving up fame and fortune in 1885 to become missionaries in China. Four of the seven were student contemporaries of Propert at Cambridge. The most famous of them was Charles Thomas Studd, known as C.T. Studd, a cricket superstar of the day. He was captain of Cambridge University and also an England regular. But at the very height of his fame, 24-year-old Studd gave up the game to become a missionary. In 1884, he'd attended a meeting to hear the famous American evangelist Dwight L. Moody, and as a result, his life was transformed. He said, Formerly, I had as much love for cricket as any man could have. But when the Lord Jesus came into my heart, I found that I had something infinitely better than cricket. From that time on, he said, he wanted nothing less 
than to share with the entire world, quote, the joy of my salvation. And he started with his friends. He persuaded several members of the England cricket team to hear Moody speak, and as a result, four of them became Christians. Propert was deeply challenged by the change in Studd's life and by the profound impression that two more of the Cambridge Seven had made on him. As a result of his association with these men, Propert left Cambridge a convinced Christian, determined to serve God and his fellows. More than anything else, he wanted, quote, to take up work in some poor and crowded district. He came to St. Augustine's mission in Fulham. Once in Fulham, Proper took every opportunity he could to serve the inhabitants of the district. This included the use of sport as a vehicle for outreach to young people. Shortly after his arrival, he invited some youths who worked in a nearby cabyard to use the gym at the mission to offer them a safe and moral environment in which to unwind and make new friends. He knew these youths were looked down on by respectable people as hooligans because of their foul language, scruffy appearance and lack of education. And he was also fully aware that his association with them would be frowned upon in many quarters. But he brushed aside these considerations. His own account of those days is revealing. Among them I worked and made some of my best friends, some of whom remain so to this day. On Saturday nights we had very simple sing-songs and some came to our services on Sundays. We had a gymnasium and boxing became very popular. In this I took a very prominent part and from this little place we turned out a national as well as international champion. At this time I was rowing for the Thames Rowing Club First Eight and when I brought home silver trophies and cups it produced great excitement and admiration. My association with these young fellows, whose language was not always classical, produced much criticism from the respectable, some of whom went so far as to say I was not fit to be a clergyman and reported me to the bishop, Dr. Temple. I explained to Dr. Temple that I had come not merely to preach but to apply Christian principles as far as I could in Lily Road. I believe I convinced the good bishop that my critics did not really understand the gospel message. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think even now the church has largely forgotten this truth. We are truly respectable. With men of the quality of Propert, Cardwell and Murdoch behind the St Andrews Club, it made rapid progress. The first trophy, the West London Association Cup, was won in the 1886-87 season and before the start of the next season it had grown sufficiently in popularity and strength to be able to field three football teams. When the decision was taken in 1889 to shorten the football club's name to Fulham Football Club, the link with St Andrews was not broken. There was no marked change in personnel or patronage, although the nickname The Saints did disappear in the local press and cricket was no longer a part of the club's activities. As the club continued to grow, more clergymen contributed to its success. A big stride forward was taken in the 1892-93 season when Fulham stormed through the West London League to take the championship in convincing style. An important newcomer to the team that season was the Reverend Gilbert Hall, curate of St John's Church, in nearby Wallam Green. 
He was an outstanding defender and as a student at Oxford had won a football blue for representing the university. And five years later, in 1897-98, when Fulham finished the season in the London League without a single defeat, two Methodist ministers were in the side, Reverend J.J. Davis and Reverend A.E. Jennings. It was the last season before the club turned professional. When Reverend Cardwell left St Andrews in 1890 to become rector of St Anne's Church in Soho, the clergy presence at the top of the club remained unbroken. Cardwell was succeeded as president of Fulham Football Club by the Reverend William Muriel, vicar of All Saints Fulham. A final word about John Cardwell, the club's founder. He remained at St Anne's Soho until his retirement in 1914, and when he died in 1921, aged 78, the Church Times paid the following tribute to him. Though ever a fighter for truth and right, he had the gift of being able to fight without bitterness and without losing friends. No priest in the London diocese was more universally beloved. Certainly, Fulham Football Club owe him a great debt of gratitude. This was publicly acknowledged when his was the first name on a plaque unveiled at St Andrews in 2013 by three Fulham legends, Tosh Chamberlain, Les Strong and England World Cup winner George Cohen, to commemorate the role of the church in the club's foundation. As you know, most clubs have a song or tune associated with that club and they love to sing the song in particular before, during and if they're successful in the match after the game. You're now going to hear I hope you enjoyed that story. Join us again next time to hear another one about the church origin of a famous English football club. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Peter Lupson, author of Thank God for Football. <laughs>